punters and welcome to Inside 50. As per usual, Nick Quinn and Shane Crawford. And this week, joined by the legend from the Richmond Footy Club. 243 magnificent games, then 32 games for the GWS Giants. A welcome to Brett Deludio. Brett, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thanks, Quinny. Good to be here, mate. It's a nice little setup you got in here. I got the tour of the office before. and uh, Yeah, he's doing very well for himself, Quinn, isn't, isn't he? Isn't he? Hey? Yeah, must be a high roller. That's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't you worry about that. I am low-hanging fruit on this podcast trifecta, that is for sure. But look, I'm going to start with a bit of resentment because growing up, I had no sporting ability. Crawl for superstar footballer. And you, your buggy, you thought you'd not only be a gun at footy, but a gun at cricket. So it sounds like from day dot, sport was very much in your blood. Well, uh, typical country boy, I think, Quinny. It was uh, yeah, footy in the winter and, and cricket in the summer, but... Uh, Sometimes, mate, when I played a bad game, I thought, what have I done here going, uh, playing footy? I should have gone cricket. It seemed like it'd be a lot easier on the body. You could play for a lot longer, but I did the maths in, in the end. Essentially, when I was making the decision, was uh, 18 teams or 16 teams at that point and uh, 30 or 40 spots versus 11 um, for Australia. And that's, I don't, as I asked Dad about it, he said, I don't think you would have been happy if you had it, not made it for Australia. So, yeah, you probably made the right decision in the end. And, I still question that because I reckon I could still be playing. I reckon you have the calf problems if you're playing cricket, would you? But, um, <laughs> you certainly get to play for longer, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what what type of cricket are we? Were you an all-rounder? Are you sort of well, like being a, an active yeah. boy, you know, country boy, you'd probably want to do everything, even wicket keep. Well, I tried, yeah. <laughs> no, you get bored if you weren't bowling. You yeah. get bored, so you thought, well, at least I'm right behind the stumps and whatever else. But no, I was a, an opening bowler, um, and, but I'd like to bat. And back home in the country, I'd bat um, pretty high. But then, uh, yeah, mate, it was just a, um, a thing that I did in the summer and, and loved. I still do love the game, always watching, but, uh, yeah, it was um, yeah, just good fun in the summer. It kept me fit before going back to footy training, I suppose. Did you ever get the chance, like, during your footy days, and obviously your love of cricket, did you ever get a chance to face any of the Australian bowlers just in the nets as an uh, opportunity? Not not the senior ones, but I played in the champs against Jackson Bird, was actually a, a bowler uh, in the under-17, so he was a young pup and so was I. But uh, Davey Warner played in that team as well. Tom Cooper is now playing for South Australia. And Aaron Finch was my captain. Um, so, and Mark Murphy was in that team as well. So, yeah, we um, we actually won that those champs, which was which was nice. But I actually had uh, international uh, the All-Australian uh, AIS stuff, so I had to go straight back with Andre G and Fagner, who's now an umpire for the uh, for the AFL. We had to go straight back into a camp versus staying and celebrating with the boys. And from all reports, I think they, they went pretty well for a, a group of underages. <laughs> now, while we're on the cricket, because it's not the path you thought we'd go down, tell us about when you fielded against an Indian team boasting <laughs> yeah. Sachin Tendulkar. Yeah, oh, that was a great experience. I was down for a country... Uh, thing called Diamonds in the Rough. So a big group of country boys come down, had some specialist training. Uh, and India out here for a tour match playing Victoria. And as a 17-year-old, I was long blonde hair thinking I was killing it. Um, probably the you know shell necklace around the <laughs> neck. Um, yes, yeah, uh, we needed someone to feel because Brad Hodge had just come out there and made a, I think he made a double ton or something like that. So, so that excuses you from feeling, <coughs> does it, if you make a double ton? Yeah. Seems to be it that does. way. Yeah, you batted for a long time in a tour match. I think you just tap out. Um, no, so they need to field. One of you boys, oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll go out there and field. Um, so I'm standing at uh, mid-off, and then because I've got the long blonde hair, put on you know the, the baggy blue uh, Victorian cap, Matty Elliott's oversized pants that didn't fit me. And the Indian crowd are down there, and they started yelling out, Harvey's a wanker. <laughs> Ian Harvey wouldn't even play. Well, he wouldn't even play. And he was on the boundary as well. So I'm looking around going, well, they must think I'm Ian Harvey. <laughs> They're giving it to me. 
Um, but great experience. I remember misfielding and one a smashed off drive from Verenda Saywag. I'm thinking, oh. get down, get down, get down. Bounces off my knee because it's just cut me oh. quicker than I thought. And uh, they got one. But uh, yeah, anyway, mate, great experience. And then got wow. to meet the little master in the rooms after the game, which was fantastic. Um, one of the, the probably the biggest celebrities that I've met over over the journey. Absolutely. I don't think there'd be many bigger in world sport, that is for sure. So it sounded like you loved your cricket. You were very, very good at it. At what stage, though, did you have to make a decision to veer towards footy? Uh, well, I think I made the decision as a 15-year-old. I was left out of Victorian – very simple, simple this. I was left out of Victorian cricket side, um, and I didn't think that my – uh, trial game performances had warranted me being left out, so I cracked the sads and said, "Right, I think footy's the way I'm going to go." Uh, so yeah, I made the 15s footy side, missed out on the 15s cricket side. So I, I thought, well, I think footy's for me, but still kept playing cricket, and then obviously made the 17 side, which was nice for cricket. Um, but yeah, pretty much had cracked the sads with cricket at that stage. Well, we'll talk about the footy then, because I fear for the junior footy team you would have come up against there that boasted yourself. Jed Adcock and Troy Chaplin. That's a pretty handy junior team, Croft. All, all in the Kyabram team? No, this was in Maribara. So I moved oh, from Maribara right. to Kyabram uh, when I was about 12. Um, well, it gets cold down that way. Well, Maribara is, yeah, central Victoria can get um, get cold. But, uh, yeah, we had a – I started juniors with all those boys. I was in the under-13s as an eight-year-old, and uh, we were pretty handy, to put it that way. Um where you know, obviously Chappie and, and Jed um, have gone on to play 200 games each for, for their clubs and uh, ended up getting to play with Chappie when he came back to the Tigers, which was fantastic. So, yeah, we, we were pretty good. And it's the only premiership that I've won in footy, so um, a long, long time ago. Was that 600 Isn't that amazing? Games, 600 plus in one junior side just from three players. That's incredible. Mm. And, and surely you're winning every week. We were we were yeah. pretty good, yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't lose a hell of a lot. It was one of the only times that Dad's told me off. Uh, I sat down on the field because we were dominating and they put me to half back or to back pocket and I sat down because the ball wasn't coming there. <laughs> and Dad goes, don't you ever let me see you do that again. Yeah. And then, well, I never did again. But, uh, yeah, that was we were dominant. That's, that's for yep. sure. Yep. And you continue <coughs> to dominate footy and we'll skip ahead to the 2004 draft. And listen to this draft, Croft. Number one, Brett Deludio. Number two, Jared Ruffhead. Number three, Ryan Griffin. Number four, Richard Tambling. Number five, Buddy Franklin. And then your Hawks came again with number seven, Jordan Lewis. Before I get to you, Brett, I'll get to you, Croft, because you were at Hawthorne in this time, and this was meant to be the saving grace of the Hawthorne Footy Club. You go to the draft with three picks, and you come out of it with Roughhead, Franklin, and Lewis. Yeah, and well, obviously you don't know, do you? You, you? Like each year, all the new draftees come along and, you know, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of hype and, you know, you do look towards blue skies and hope that's going to be the case. But um, I, it, it, I suppose Buddy Franklin always had that real, wow, you know, this guy. Like a, a a young giraffe when he first got there, just the way that they moved. But you could tell something was pretty special. And, and Ruffy was like, he was a work in progress, so you just weren't sure. And Jordan Lewis, well, he was he was the one I would have selected straight away going because he had some real go on him. Like he, I think only a month or so earlier, he was in trouble with the police for fighting on the street against a, a guy at a pub, you know, and he was just 18 at the time. But apparently he was sticking up for one of his mates against grown men, you know. So... I think Hawthorne knew that they were getting a, a bit of a, not a thug, but someone who's prepared to stand up for themselves, and that's what he did straight away. So I would have probably chosen him um, as the pick of the bunch early on because of what you could see, but 
obviously you need time and maturity and development. And, um, yes, we certainly got very, very lucky. Did you keep an extra eye on the under-18 footy that year, knowing Hawthorne had such a strong hand at the draft? Oh, look, we, our history wasn't great with getting the very best picks. So you sort of, you know, you just go year by year and you just hope that, you you know, you can snag a couple of really good players who are really driven more so than... Like, you, you get a lot of players that come through with ability, but you want them to ha- have real big drive and real, you know, big desire to do well and be around and play AFL for a long time. So that's... That's what you hope for, um, but it's always very exciting, and and you love the the enthusiasm, and especially when you play with first gamers and and new players and young players, just just it's a totally different vibe, you know, because the team really comes together to make sure Brett Delidio is playing his first game, make sure we look after him, make sure he enjoys his experience, and and I know Alistair Clarkson doesn't necessarily tell them to do too much, just to go and enjoy, and he sort of forgives if they're not structuring up properly for the first game or so. And then after that, he starts whacking up between the eyes. <laughs> so, you know, it's quite a nice way to be introduced into AFL footy. Brett, how and when did you find out you were going number one in the draft? Uh, the night before I uh, found out, I got a call from, or Dad got a call from Greg Miller, I think it was, uh, back then. And it was just a, a stress relief, really, just to know that it, like I had a feeling I was going to get drafted. I thought I was going to, but just to have it, um, solidified and, and to know that that was what was going to happen was uh, relieved and uh, funnily enough Ruffy and I are great mates and we played all out like under 16s under 18s um, carnivals together and I, I rang him that night and I was just like mate how good is this because the talk was he was going to Richmond at pick four um, I said we're going to live together we're going to have the best time um, <laughs> you know, we were, you know this is going to be so good Uh and Hawthorne went and buggered it up. And took, them, <laughs> took him a bit too. Yeah, I, I think they knew. Or they, you know, I don't understand how all these clubs seem to know what's going on with the other clubs. You know, these days they're probably a little bit better. They probably keep it a bit more guarded. But back then, you know, they seemed to know what clubs were going to do. So uh, yeah, I think Hawthorne said, "Well, Richmond are going to get rough at four. So we we like him, but then they were prepared to take the risk with Franklin because I think he was a bit wayward." Mm. Um, you know, in his second half of his schooling. So, you know, he went from, you know, one or two pick to I think they were thinking he was going to go a bit later. So, um, yeah, but, you know, you take a chance. If you know they've got something inside, I think that's that's a massive plus and away you go. And what are your first memories of the Richmond Footy Club? Uh, first memories was uh, I think we went in there the day of the draft, so we were down in Melbourne and just getting shown around and I remember looking, the boys were doing a rehab session or like a cross train, so they were swimming and I remember seeing, you know, Mark Coughlin, uh, Kelmore and someone, I can't remember who else it was, but all up the back just sweating it up down in the dungeon we used to call it <laughs> and they are just cut up and I'm just thinking that's exactly what I want to become. <laughs> you know, I want to become this big Adonis that these blokes were. But then we went to Clinton Casey's house which was like a, 25 bedroom, seven uh, kitchen house. It's like, in, it's like Quinny's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Shakespeare Grove or wherever it was. Uh, and just turning up there and just being like, wow, this is what footy circles are. And um, getting to meet quite a few of the other boys. You know, the senior boys came along, which was great. And um, yeah, that was my first memories. And then I think I went home for a little bit after that, get all my stuff together and then came back to the club. And first training session was a running uh, session out on the 
track out at Box Hill and remember doing some boxing and some sprint work and whatever else, which was my strong suit, so I was happy with that. <laughs> and number one draft picks, they've always got more attention. They've always got more pressure, rightly or wrongly. So your first year, you play all 22 games, you win the NAB Rising Star Award, and then you win the grand final sprint <laughs> as well, just for good measure. So it was a terrific first season of AFL for you. Uh, well, yeah, mate, I was just happy to be playing and, and getting a chance. And I think the, the thing that... Yeah, I try and explain to the young boys who now now look after is that the the job starts once you get drafted, and you have known this as well, Croft. Is that yeah, you get you get your opportunity, but my old man drilled into me that you never ever want to be uh, someone who's you know you've got a heap of talent, heap of ability, and you don't want to be that person who's wasted that and never worked hard, and because it only take you t- so far your ability. It's all comes from hard work. We all know that, but. So I just got got about trying to earn the respect of the older boys, and and I fed off them. I was a sponge. I'd uh, go out, try and go out for lunch, and you know, just get a car ride or go to training with all of these young boys, just because I could, so I could learn and soak up everything that they talked about, and hopefully they'd accept me into into the footy club. And it helps when you're playing in the senior team, which which was always which was nice. But um, I wasn't going to you know burn them to go and hang out with my own mates from back home, or um, you know anyone else to miss an opportunity to try and soak up something that I might get from them so I went out of my way to, to really do that but mate loved it first experience 22 games mate you can't ask for much more I suppose when you when you as a young bloke coming in which was good so so when Matty Richardson grabs you and says come on I'll teach you how to kick a goal <laughs> he didn't and do he's that. spraying him a little bit do you go oh, do you know what I think I'm going to go over this. it I'm going to go find this guy over here <laughs> I'll go to Brownie and Brownie was like no don't worry about that just get the moisturiser and make sure their hair's looking nice there's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Now, things started very well for you at Richmond. It's safe to say that the other high-touted draft pick at the time, Richard Tamling, didn't hit the ground running like you did. How close were you with this process with him? Because it was basically seen as Tamling and Deludio, the two saviours of Richmond. You had such a great start to your career. He was struggling probably from the outset. Was that hard for you to witness? And how did he take it all in? And did the pressure get to him? Uh, well, it's something you'd probably have to ask Richie, to be honest, Quinny. But uh, it, it was hard watching um, someone... And it really came to fruition probably during games more than anything when, you know, Richie hadn't um, seen a lot of the footy and he'd take a mark late in the game and he'd get the Bronxies and you'd just be like, oh, that's not what a young bloke needs at all. You know, like that's uh, – and I was, man, I was only young as well. And so I'm, when you're young, you're worrying about yourself more than anything else. But it was hard for Richie because he, he wore a lot of the uh, weight and the burden and then the guys that the guy that uh, the Hawks took didn't help things at all because yep. he was starting to – kick goals from everywhere and um, he, he, a lot of confidence, big bud, and, you know, turned to the crowd and after he kicked goals. and But, mate, yeah, it was tough. And, you know, ultimately I think it got to the point where Richie needed a fresh start and yeah, he uh, went off to Adelaide and, you know, played, I'm not sure how many games he ended up playing there at Adelaide, but um, I think he's, I've still, I've seen him a couple of times when I was up at the Giants, obviously being in the NEFL system, you know, the NT would play and he was still involved with the NT while the Giants were playing. So I saw him a couple of times, but, 
Um, I was just thinking that the other day, actually, because he had a young bloke, Tyson, um, when we'd both just started. He was him and his partner, Amy, and he'd be nearly 17 or 18 now. Wow. Like a man. <laughs> like, it's a, just it's a long time ago. I couldn't believe it. He was a wonderfully skilled player. Unfortunately, it just almost seems like it was the wrong place at the wrong time to go as a high draft pick to Richmond with all this pressure yeah. and all this focus. And you seemed like you handled it so well. You seemed like you were so confident from day dot. I just wonder what things would have been like for him if he went pick 13 and went to a top four team and got yeah. to play in the reserves for two years and come in. Do you yeah. think that might have made a big difference? Oh, no doubt. And I think it'd make a difference to anyone. If you go into a top four team and you can learn your craft and, and then go to a team that's winning, I think that's a hell of a lot easier. Um, but, yeah, the, the weight of expectation, I think we'd been down for so long. We're, we're actually not a bad side in 2005. We beat a lot of... We beat both West Coast. We close run with West Coast. Beat the Swans, who both played off in the granny in the end. But we just fell away once Brownie broke his leg. I think our season just went uh, down the gurgler. But no, don't tell him that, for goodness sake. Uh, well, he was but a big part. He was yeah, no, he, the best, he, best player in the competition. He no, tells he, us all. He was. He was champion. Dad didn't yeah, even have he, him ranked in the top thirty. But um, <laughs> he yeah. Look, I think essentially for Rich, it was um, yeah. If he had got his chance to. But because we weren't going great, he we was forced in, and then you just you, you know sink or swim basically. And a negative about you was playing so well from day dot in a team that had been struggling. You quickly attracted the eye of opposition players. You were tagged from a very young age, and I was looking through the success of Richmond, or I dare say, lack thereof, for the early part of your career. And it was quite similar, Croft, to what you experienced in the middle part of your career, where you were both getting a lot of the footy, both the best midfielder by a mile in teams that were struggling, and coming in for a lot of focus from opposition teams. How did you handle that first, Croft? So, what are you saying? You're saying we both dragged the teams down? No. Is you're saying? I'm saying you could have <laughs> used a few more Crawford or Deludios in the team. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's hard, yeah. When you're struggling, it's not easy to, to get out and play very well. Um, it, it is tough, especially when you come up with some really good teams and they've got some really good structures and, and you know, they connect really well. And getting tag is not easy, you know. You, you virtually run out into the footy field and you've got someone to follow you, to push you to areas you don't want to go, to annoy you. And back, back in the day, uh, even in Brett's day, you were able to get away with a fair bit. You know, there's some very good taggers who would really – push way over, mm. but I respected that because that's their job and they're doing everything for their team. Oh, rubbish. So, Don't give us that. You no, no, no. I, I did. Yeah, <laughs> sure, I got angry and reported <laughs> at times, but I actually look back and go, do you know what? What a great team player that person was for their team and what they had to do. But that is – it's a hard job to get tagged, you know, um, to run around and have someone follow you the whole day and, and you still – you know, your pride, you want to still perform, you still want to make sure that you're contributing to the team – but it can be tough, but it's also tough for the tagger, and that's what I used to do. I just tried to flick it. It's like, oh, he got to follow me all day. How annoying is that? You've got to run when I run. You've got to stop when I stop. If you can get your teammates starting to block and, and help you out, that's a massive thing. But it, it doesn't always happen like that, and especially in sides that are struggling. You've got teammates who are just thinking, I've just got to keep playing well, you know, so they think about – their sort of little patch, and that's just survival mode, and it's nothing against those type of players. It just happens like that, but it's it's not easy. No, it certainly isn't. <laughs> um, it, it's it's very easy to get frustrated, and I my worst day was uh, at the start of Geelong's reign. Uh, we played them here in the Docklands, and uh, I had Lingy, uh, <laughs> and we got beaten by 157 points. So as a team, we haven't got the footy much, and when you got Lingy on your back, you've got it even less. Uh, I. 
pretty much said to mum, I think I'm done with footy at the end of that game. <laughs> Where's I, the enjoyment in that? There's like, no, there yeah. wasn't any. Uh, Plough got me off the ground uh, on the phone. Yeah, Plough, what do what you got for me, mate? You know, he's got something new. I'm going to go to full forward or go to half back or something. Just sit there, mate. I've got nothing. I don't know where to hide you. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I going here. Um, but, but, but back then when Lingy was a tagger and, and all the other taggers, they didn't have to face the ball. You know, they, they couldn't get away with what they were doing these days. You know, they, just they were allowed hug. to block. Yeah, they virtually had a hold of you the whole time. So you had to continually be on the move. Um, you know, it, it's, it was very different to the way that they could do things um, to today. Today, they follow around. And when you see a tagger getting a bit physical, you notice it more than ever. You're like, oh, hang on. Finally, someone's trying to put a bit of body contact on there and, and push someone around. Whereas normally players these days just stand next to each other. Um, you know, there's no real sort of arm across or forcing him into space. And that's the hardest thing is when once a tagger tries to push you around the ball to areas that you want, don't want to go, that's the hardest thing because you've got to watch the ball then you've got to hook back around and try and get into that space. So And you're fighting four other mids who are trying to get that footy as well. Yeah. So it's uh, And then opposition who want to try and knock your head off. Yeah. So it, it's not, it wasn't an easy job. It's not an easy job. Once you got out. The, the good teams, Ross Lyons, uh, the Dockers, so playing against Crowley, and then Lingy, obviously, at the Cats. If you got out, someone else would just cover you straight away, and you'd just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm just not winning today, but I'm just going to keep trying, uh, try and go to their best mid, keep trying to tackle whatever it is. But I got some uh, friendly advice from an ex-teammate of mine that was, what are you worrying about tagging for? As a forward, we, we get tagged every week. We've got a backman right. And it's like, oh, my God, it's not. <laughs> Who was not, the forward? Who was no, the forward no. giving you that? No, I won't name names, but uh, it was... The ball's kicked to you. The ball's you know. kicked to you, and you're not expected to get it 30 times. You're expected to get it 10 and maybe get a chance to kick a goal. So, um, yeah, that didn't really sit that well with me, but that's okay. Now, you went to Richmond, and things did start positively. New coach, Nathan Brown, and we did allude to the fact he had that horrible injury, which I feel in many ways not only derailed his season and derailed him as an elite player, but probably derailed a lot of what Terry Wallace was doing as well. What was your relationship with like with Terry and how hard was it to get there? Things start to go really well and then just as quickly back to probably just as bad as they were before you arrived. Yeah, I think um, well, my relationship with Plough was, was fantastic in my first coach and gave me an opportunity to, to continue to play. And he backed me in probably when I you know, had some of those up and down days as a, as a young player. And he, um, it was unfortunate that, you know, with, with Brownie, that we, he wasn't, the whole game plan wasn't centred around him, but he did win a couple of games off his own boot, uh, kicked five in the last quarter against Jimmy Clement, uh, against Collingwood one day. But we're not talking about Brownie. Um <laughs> I think essentially, mate, we, we just, yeah, the wheels started to fall off and we lost a bit of confidence. Uh, we still played okay at times. I can't actually remember a hell of a lot uh, of that second half of that season. I do remember being at the Beach Hotel quite a bit. Uh, I met my now wife there, uh, which was fantastic. But you know, Chrissy Newman only lived about two or 300 metres away, so we'd spend most of our Sundays. We were on a poor time slot on the Sunday um, there into the beach and then into recovery. But that was the way it was done back then, <laughs> wasn't it? So uh, I don't condone that anymore. Um, balance, though. That's balance. great balance. You and, still and got I got to have a know, life. Yeah, I, still got, I got to know all my teammates a hell of a lot better, albeit we weren't winning, you know. So it was, um, yeah, tough times, I think. And we went, obviously, not that great from there on until – I didn't play finals until 2013, so I was like nine – Years in. So, so Terry Wallace, did you ever go over to his house and share his sunbed? Because he used uh, did, to have one yeah, of those sunbeds. did. We went and watched the boxing there. Uh, Sammy Solomon used to train a fair bit at Richmond. So we went and watched one of his fights. And so Terry, out to his place, he's got a big theatre room. And 
Um, as we're all sitting down, ready for the fight, he goes, ah, there it is, boys, the infamous uh, solarium. <laughs> 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 Just laid out. I was like, no, well, you're not hiding away from it, are you, Plough? He's always immaculate, though, freshly shaved. The hair was always beautiful and shirt, just enough buttons undone. <laughs> He's a good man, Plough. He might have given you some advice as well. It sounds like Brownie gave you a bit with the fashion side. Did you take yeah. any from the coach? Um, no, not so much. Plough was a fair bit older than me, but... <laughs> Brownie, I certainly just tried to squeeze every free T-shirt I could out of him. Um, I've never seen a man put on so many eye creams and moisturisers and hair products <laughs> to try and thicken it up. But um, yeah, mate, he's uh, I yeah, learned a hell of a lot from him in a footy sense, and um, yeah, as well as a lot of other players as well. But yeah, Brownie was very good for me. His ego is going to be no good after this podcast. We we'll have to make sure he doesn't listen now. <laughs> Plough moves on, and Damien Hardwick comes in, and yep. safe to say. Things didn't hit the ground seamlessly. 2010, you're probably having your best season. Richmond lose their first 10 games, though. Mm. Break the drought over in Port Adelaide on a tough day, but got the job done on that occasion. But what was it like that year? Because you were playing well personally, but the team yeah. was just at times bordering on uncompetitive. Yeah, look, I think uh, I ultimately looked at... I, I only just re-signed uh, that year. I remember having the conversation with Dimmer uh, like it was yesterday about <laughs> it was... Um, I'm out of contract we just lost our senior coach but I was like well I'm going to see what Dimmer's got I've heard great things about him I want to see I'm going to back him in stick around for another couple of years but I started the year as a on-baller uh, again getting tagged and playing okay footy you know when you you want to have good games you know, 25 plus 30 I was going to get it about 20 times but not having great influence on the game so I moved back to half back um, alongside Trent lasted one game but I stayed the, whole, the rest of the year we put him back inside we needed a little bit more run in there uh, so alongside Chrissy Newman down there we were great mates and mate as you said had one of my better years I think down there and just learnt my craft as a you know we, the ball spent a lot of time in our back line I think because we weren't great um, but that first game that we won was still another one of those really fond memories that I've got Um because you know, we were a young team trying to learn new structures, things that Dimmer had brought across, obviously being under Clarko, and we were implementing them, but not very well at the time. And it absolutely bucketed down like it was monsoonal. Uh, and I remember doing a doing the warm-up and looking across, we're all ready to go. And because he's got his runners on, and I'm because that was just ritual, just had to do with his runners. And he's gone out there, first step on, I think he's just gone... <laughs> <laughs> Comes back in, he says to our property manager, Seb, he's like, mate, you don't have to get me a new pair of runners here. These are done. Straight in the bin because they were cooked. <laughs> but you'd sink into the ground like this far. It was ridiculous. Um, but we yeah, ultimately dominated uh, Port Adelaide and got our first win. I think we ended up winning three or four for the year. And it was an enjoyable year even though we were losing, you know, because we could start to see things were building. Uh, and But, yeah, little did we know that it's still three years away that we'd actually play finals. And, Craw, probably some of your favourite victories were when the team was battling in games you weren't expected to win, potentially again away from home. Yeah, especially interstate matches, absolutely. Um, And there's nothing better when you get on top of it and you can just hear the crowd just become so deflated. So uh, it's it's pretty cool when that happens. And and it is that team bonding, you know, situation. If you are staying that night, if it is a night match in Perth, what do you do? You, you go out together, you know. So it, it's there's definitely something in that, you know. These days we want the players to be perfect and and to just focus on footy 100% of the time, which I've got no chance of being a part of the modern game today if that's the case. Whereas, you know, those social events and gatherings and that team bonding and team harmony, you know, come from those wonderful interstate wins when you can find a way to get yourself across the line and then 
have a good night out, and then all of a sudden, it's amazing. The next week, the feel, the vibe around the club is just pretty special. Whether or not that uh, connects with a lot of wins, but at the end of the day, it gets the ball rolling, gives you that feeling that you want more of. And Brett just said that the Tigers didn't win many games that season, but it was enjoyable and he felt like things were trending in the right direction. On the back of the draft we spoke about in 2014 where Roughhead and also Franklin and Lewis came into the Hawthorne club, was it similar? The next couple of years you didn't win many times, but you could sense things were going the right way? No, it wasn't no. enjoyable at all. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> we, we, it's, yeah, we, we just knew that we had to play young kids who weren't ready, so we, we were a bit different where we just threw a lot of the young kids in and they had to go and play on good players and have that experience and learn to be stronger, faster, fitter, and learn a lot, whoever they were playing on. So, um, yeah, as a senior-type player back then, it, it wasn't good because you knew that we were going to lose pretty much a lot of the time. And even if we – and being – if be realistic about it and being honest about it, you you knew, okay, we're playing the Sydney Swans this week. If we play at our very best, we will only lose by 50 points. <laughs> so that's, that's very hard with someone who's – very driven and very focused on on doing well. Yes, you can have lots of wins when not winning, you know, and and start to build towards something. But I, I couldn't see much light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I can assure you, once you start winning a lot, it does put a bit more fun into in there as well if you can mix it right. We skip ahead to two thousand and thirteen. Yep. Everything's going smoothly, and Richmond finished the home and away season fifth on the ladder, back in the finals for the first time. Look since at you, get so excited, Quinny. Look at him; he's like, "How oh, good is that?" Hallelujah! I was very excited. Richmond tragic, <laughs> going to the finals to beat Essendon, but Essendon get kicked out of the finals because of the drug scandal. So they put Carlton in. Carlton didn't even make the top eight, but we'll give them a game. Oh, and it's Richmond look Carlton at this. At the this MCG. is a sore point, isn't it? So should, they should have forfeited us and put no it straight doubt. through. No doubt. I have never heard a louder cheer yep, me at the MCG than when oh, Richmond have, ran out for yep. that final against Carlton. Walk us through that. It was um, probably one of my, apart from individual accolades, one of my favourite memories that I've got at, uh, at the Tigers. And I remember looking across as we've come out through the banner and we're going down to the punt road end to do our warm-up. And at that point, I think it was to the point of yellow and black in our theme song as we're running out. And I've looked across at uh, Chappie and Newey and I was just like, oh my God, how good is this? 94,000 and they were just screaming, the neck, hairs on the back of your neck just standing up. Now, we started really well in that game. We, we actually probably should have um, ran away with it but I think a few demons started to slip in and we played them in round 21 I think it was and that, they got over the top of us in a close game so a few demons started to creep back in and um, unfortunately we started to go to sleep around the footy and they uh, ultimately led by Juddy kicked away and the rest is history we, we missed out again but we were a pretty good side we beat a lot of good teams that year and we thought we were um, well within our rights to go a fair bit further than what we did. Chris Newman, one of the all-time great Tigers. That was a great day because he got a terrible record off his back yeah. of most games played in the AFL level without playing in a final. You spoke about your friendship with him. What did it mean, do you reckon, for him to get that off the back? Well, yeah, he, he, Chris is one of those guys that just bled uh, for the Tigers and being the, the skipper and just wanted us to win. Wanted he, He'd lay awake at night just thinking about you know, how we could actually get better as a team and what he could implement on one as skipper, two as an, um, one of our better players but yeah I think for him mate just to actually get out there and um, experience the finals because that's what we spent so many years 
starting our training programs back when teams were going into play finals, and we're just like, this is rubbish. Look at these beautiful spring days. Uh, you can hear the G roaring, and we're doing a running session at Punt Road. It's sort of like, um, right, this is why we're doing the training. Let's start to build on that and, and get ourselves going. But, yeah, relief's probably a word for it, but, mate, I, I was just really happy for him that, you know, we, one, got to experience it, and he got another two chances as well, which is good. 26 points up at half time. We won't talk about the second half because... Oof, geez, we went to awful. sleep, as I said, yeah. It was just awful. Juddy couldn't be stopped, and those arrogant Carlton supporters just got louder and louder. That's hard, 26 points up at half time. Mm. And then we missed a shot from not far out as well, but, yeah. Again, we won't name names. It was just a... Oh, it wasn't Richard. It was, no, no it Ricky, Ricky had finished by then. Oh, he, he, he was, was, he was, he was well and truly finished. So that year, even though it ended in agony, I think it's safe to say, it was still a positive. The Tigers were yep. back, fifth on the ladder at the home and away season. And I think a lot of people thought that momentum would carry on to next year. Well, halfway through the season, mm. basically third last, and it couldn't have gone much worse. But then the second half of 2014 was just brilliant. Yes. Uh, I think we were, what, three and nine uh, at the turn and really struggling and not enjoying our footy. Uh, but I was actually just talking to Chrissy Newman about this the other day because the, Haw- the Hawks, where he's coaching now, are in a similar sort of position. And um, he was going to implement our story somehow and weave it in. But... I think ultimately, mate, we were, we just started to really enjoy it because um, he, he asked me, he said, what, what was it? What was the turning point from a coaching point of view? I said, oh, I can't remember, mate. All I can remember is starting to get together more as a, as a group, um, you know, have more functions, you know, go on, you know, either play golf or, you know, have a beer after a game, whatever it was. I remember that side of it. Um, but we just went on this run, this unbelievable run of just, you know, not losing and uh, we won nine in a row beat the Swans um, up there to win. Albeit, I'm oh, missing a few, but we don't worry about that. They were a good side at the time. Uh, and, yeah, mate, it was... Uh, that is one of the most enjoyable last nine games of, um, of my season, the home and away season, and then one of the worst <laughs> when we played Port Adelaide. But I think we were just gassed, mate, because we put so much into actually getting there. We were, we were cooked. So, uh, yeah, that was that was good fun. It was amazing in so many close games and so many games where Richmond was an outsider and then it became, oh, if Richmond win the next five, they'll make the finals. Oh, if Richmond win the next four. And then it just kept happening. Yeah, it was just a, it was like free hits every week. You just go out there and just try and play your best footy and teams knew that as well. So they'd start to tighten up and then we'd take advantage. And But I think it, you know, it gave us a great confidence going into the next year, knowing that you know if we start to play the right footy and whatever else, that we'd, we'd go forward with it. And uh, 15 was probably the year that, to me, stands out as us being, you know, a real chance, and I felt like that most of the way through the year. That I didn't have many seasons, especially at the Tigers, where I'd turn up and know that we were going to play well and we're probably going to win. Um, I talked to other um, ex-footballers who have played in successful teams that when you turn up and you know that that's what's going to happen, it's it's a very enjoyable place to be. But yeah, we certainly didn't have that much at the Tigers, but 15 was one of those. Now, just going to that final against Port, I know Richmond was gassed, but you're going to play. Port Adelaide in Adelaide. There's a 10-goal wind. And Trent Cotchin, the beautifully haired one, wins the toying cost and <laughs> kicks into the wind. What is he doing? Yeah, well, in his defence, mate, uh, Adelaide Oval, very tricky to read. Um, and <laughs> Swirly. Very swirly. So you can stand in the middle and think it's going one way when it's actually going the other. I don't think the wind had a hell of a lot to do with it, to be honest. We just didn't start well at all. And once Port got a roll on, and you see momentum in games now, they just... Yeah, hammered at home for what eight goals, one to one point or something. So 
not an ideal start to no. a final. Um, <laughs> and it's a long way back from there. But, yeah, look, we learn a bit. But I think ultimately, mate, we just had too many players that didn't um, play to their level. You, you can't. You can't blame that. I'm telling you, like, I used to do it myself, go in and, you know, they go all kick with the wind if we get win the toss. I'm like, no way. If, if I think the group switched on, we're kicking into the wind because we're switched on, you know, we'll set up defensively, we'll make it a real arm wrestle early, you know, that's when the game's pretty tight and tough. I think that's more an advantage if you can play well, you know, kick into it. So I'd, I'd go, I lost a toss when you'd win the toss and so we're kicking into the wind. <laughs> that, but you had to read the group, you know. And so if the group's up, you know, you can win matches like that. I, I think, unfortunately, because they got wiped that day, um, you know, obviously didn't you start well. Things. Yeah, They're going, okay, Trent Cotchin cost them the match. No, no, it wasn't. No, no, but I, that's what the media said <laughs> yeah. at the time too. Can't believe he did that. But the thing is, you know... Unfortunately, Richmond would have got wiped anyway because they obviously weren't switched on. There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tabacan customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. 2015, Richmond has a good season. Probably just misses a few chances to finish top four. So as a result, now an elimination final against North Melbourne. And not dissimilar to the Carlton game. A really good first half. Probably not ahead by enough. And yep. unfortunately came back to haunt you in the second half. Yeah, I think ultimately, mate, we felt like we were good enough to finish in the top four and give ourselves that double chance. And that's what every team tries to do. But um, a few... Things went, didn't go our way throughout the season. But we, we played North Melbourne round 23. Then we had that uh, that bye going in. They'd rested a heap of their uh, older players because their position couldn't change. They were always going to finish eighth. So we, But if we lost, I think we could have then travelled the week before. So we were like, right, we're putting a heap into this. Um, beat them comfortably, thinking that we'd just roll out there and do a pretty similar thing, full of confidence. But, yeah, ultimately, mate, we just didn't get the job done on uh, on that day. And... Again, a lot of players that didn't uh, perform at their, at their best, which uh, you know, that that happens in big finals. But if you when you become good, and that's what Richmond ultimately did in 17, 18, 19, 20, they had big big game performers, um, and none other than D Martin in terms of when something needs to happen, that it had happened. But it just didn't happen early on. So. Uh, a few missed opportunities, mate, more than anything. So three years in a row now, you've made the finals but been bundled out the first week. How are you feeling? Confident, to be honest. Like, I'm starting to think that, you know, I understand that teams take time to build and you've got to get that experience. I'm filthy at the same time because I feel like we're we're good enough and we should be good enough. But I'm thinking, start a, end of 15, start of 16, right. Another year under these, some of these young players' belts, we hopefully get another good draft pick in that can maybe add just a little bit, a bit of excitement. You know, we're, we're just going to start to build and we're, and we're on our way, um, ultimately. But, yeah, things went pretty sour pretty quickly at 16, that's for sure. 2016, Richmond win eight games, but I think that was flattered by the fact there were some bad teams in the competition. The game plan looked ruined. It just looked like it had now been a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I felt pretty much, mate. It was going from we're supposed to be good uh, and we're, you know, this is not the plan that I thought we were putting in place 
to not winning games. Um, I was injured for the first five or six uh, games. So not playing. But then when we do come back and play, we're, we're up and down. We're losing games that we shouldn't. And ultimately, mate, the, the, yeah, towards the back end of the year, I got injured again. So I'm sitting out and just seeing what was happening. And at the same time, I'm weighing up my future as to what I want to do. I, I wasn't out of contract at the time, but I was in 20... Uh, in 2009 and I stuck fat with um, and I was just I could start to see the same sort of things happening Dimmer was under pressure you know a lot of murmurings going on around the place we weren't winning so I started to explore my options I think essentially and just to refresh for people how dire it looked for Richmond Damien Hardwick was expected to get sacked and going into the 2017 season there were only two teams in the betting with longer odds to win the premiership than Richmond they were the Gold Coast Suns who have never made the finals and the Bombers coming out of the drug scandal so it was expected to be a year of absolute agony and misery for the Tigers you sat down with Damien Hardwick who won two premiership medallions and he was realistic about the fact he might not be the coach next season how did that conversation go uh, well look I had a great relationship with Dimo and it was to the point where I'd call him after nearly every game. Um, one about the team performance and two about my own and how I could get better myself. But it was very much like, well, mate, I need to talk to you because this is how I'm feeling. You know, and I was, you know, I'd been chewing and throwing from, you know, around seven or eight during the season and just wasn't really sure, you know, where it's at. I wanted to either get some reassurance from him that, no, nah, it's going to be okay or, mate, this is what I'm feeling. I need to move on and I come to the decision that I said, I said to him mate I think I want to I want to get traded to the Cats um, my younger brothers down there I wanted to move down um, I always thought that that'd be a nice little spot to play obviously they've been a successful team for a lot of years or at least played finals and he said oh well, why don't you think about going to the Giants and that petrified me like I was like man I had a young I had a little girl who's 18 months I'm not moving up there I've got no support uh, moving so, to so state. why why did he say the Giants what, what was the well, they just there? played off in the prelim um, lost to the dogs in the last couple of minutes so, so you think oh he's trying to actually look after you in the best he's, possible yeah, way he's, it's like, okay oh, yeah and yeah then, I need to find a way to you know Bring some younger boys in. And was he talking like he'd be gone himself as well? Uh, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, mate. Um, but I think ultimately he was – his words in the next sentence was, mate, I want you to win a flag. I want you to experience what I did. And I was like, well, mate, okay, let, let me – food for thought. Wayne Campbell was at the Giants. And he's peppering me just saying, mate, we'd love to have you. And so he's making me feel really good. But yeah. my mind was sort of set on Geelong, but a deal just ultimately couldn't get done. Uh, I explored going to the Dogs as well. And that um, that fell through. Ultimately, I went up, um, saw the Giants um, firsthand, met a few of the boys. I went out on a boat with Shorey and, and Dave Matthews, Leon and Wayne, uh, which was nice out Just in the harbour. Fish? Uh, oh, you didn't, didn't uh, fish. I, I ate fish. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, ultimately, mate, I, I made the decision that this was. Weighing it all up was a fresh start, yes. Going to a team that I knew were going to be competitive and good. They, they'd shown exciting times. Um, they were going to be good for the next few years that I was going to be there. And I just thought, well, I'm, I feel like I missed out on because I had an opportunity to potentially go to Collingwood or you know get traded to Collingwood back in 2009. They win the flag in 2010. I said, oh, I don't want this situation ever again, you know. I've got them a coach saying, oh, mate, I'd love you to win one. I would love one, you know, just to go and experience, enjoy my footy to see what that was all about because I wasn't at the time at the Tigers. But, yeah, mate, get up there and um, 
can't get on the park for the first 20 rounds, it makes it very, very difficult to enjoy your footy and you start, really start to question everything that's going on. I, I love the fact that they've taken him out on the boat in Sydney Harbour and just said, this is the way we roll. This is how we do it. And you're thinking, oh, it's a different world up here. Yeah, I can get away from you know the craziness of Melbourne, which it is crazy when it comes to over footy. Sydney, they don't care, let's be honest. We, the AFL keep telling us they do care, but they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're it's own, not the fishbowl environment. You, you've got a bit more freedom, and you can do your own thing. Oh, you've got more. all the freedom in the world. You know, if you go to the the right part. So um, yeah, so that was obviously something that you just thought. Do you know what? I think this is for me. Yep, hundred percent. And it was uh, fully backed by my wife. She said, "Look, if we want to make this work, I'll, I'm coming with you, and we'll make it work. I know it's going to be hard, but um, and that was a turning point for me. Essentially, that." Uh, I said, right, oh, well, let's pull the trigger on it. And it wasn't until the last uh, five minutes, I don't think, of, dra- of trade week that uh, it actually went through. Um, my mind wasn't there, essentially, at my sister's wedding down in Mount Dunedin, mate. So I was, I was doing other things. But um, look, to be honest, it was uh, I, I was ready for it. I was scared. Yeah, no doubt, because I'd, Richmond was everything that I knew and or known, and they'd given me so much. Um, so I'm leaving a l- behind a lot of great friends, a lot of pe- um, people that I've met, and um, basically giving me everything that I've now got today. But, yeah, ultimately I needed a fresh start, mate, and that was why I just said, right up, I'm, uh, I'm going up to Sydney. Um, started really well up there, trained for the first six weeks and tried to do everything, was petrified about turning up fat and um, not being able to run and keep up with these young bucks that are all jets. So I'm training my backside off and then get my first little taste of a calf injury um, in that six weeks. Already had a few, obviously, at Richmond, but my first one there and just, yeah, like injury after injury after injury um, for the first 20 weeks of that year. And uh, it wasn't until, like, round nine or ten that I said, right, we're going to strip it right back. We're not going to do anything for a couple of weeks and then we're just going to build up really slowly. Got myself playing back in round 20, I think it was, against the, the Demons down in Canberra. I played my first game. Started to string together the, the, the performance that I was at least proud of to put forward. You know, in the first few games, I was rubbish. Um, but, yeah, started to play play my role, play pretty well. Come into the finals that bye week again. Um, and I've had troubles with my Achilles before. That flares up, so I'm carrying that right the way through the finals. And, yeah, mate, we uh, lose the first one, win the second one. My first finals win, which was nice against the Eagles, they were shot at that point. Um, and then, yeah, come up against the Tigers. So. In a movie, you couldn't have made it up. Because I remember when I heard you were going to GWS, my reaction was, oh, good, I can follow you in the finals. Because just Richmond being there was just not a possibility. Yeah. Just did not even think about that. And I think that was the consensus with a lot of Richmond people. They were so happy to have seen you for so the long. Smart ones, yeah. But they wanted to see you finish in a good club and potentially win a premiership. So yep. there was certainly no angst. There was certainly no ill will. But it was just bizarre the way it played out. What can you remember about going into that prelim final mm. Where everything then is going well. You're playing well, you've got a few injuries, but the team's in a prelim, yeah. but in some cruel twist of fate, it's mm. back at the MCG in front of 95,000 Richmond supporters. Yeah. Oh, mate. Well, I wasn't playing well because I was scraping through my, uh, as I said, my Achilles, and I'm not making an excuse for my performance whatsoever, but it was, I don't know whether, you, did you ever have Achilles tendonitis when you were playing? And no, no, it like? it's severe knee, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's well, crippling. It's, well, it's just when you can't, you've got to speed or zip, and that's what I base my game on. It makes it very hard. But, uh, yeah, it's a perfect storm, really. Like uh, playing your old team for the first time in a prelim for your first ever prelim, and 
your 250th of all things against, like, it just couldn't have gone any uh, better. I said about that loud roar in my first ever final. Mate, I've heard, I heard the loud roar again, but this one was 95,000 and they were all Richmond. It wasn't 50-50 split. It was, and I was just like, oh my God. I I remember doing the warm up and seeing the smug look on Grigger's face and just like, (laughs) oh mate, yeah. Yeah, mate, love you. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and, yeah, heard the Bronxies. Uh, I reckon in my, I didn't get my first touch until the second quarter and just didn't have a great game. All I, could, all I was focusing on, mate, is not letting those young half-forwards burn back and I'm having to chase them back on one leg. I'm just trying to tackle them and bury them into the ground and do what I could. But, yeah, ultimately, mate, I knew that writing was on the wall halfway through the third quarter. And could just It was a place that I've never felt so alone out there uh, on the MCG, knowing that um, we weren't going to play in a granny. And I was watching a team that I'd put a fair bit of effort into go on and um, do something. And a so. team that you love, you know. Well, so that's there's it. There's a lot of love there. Well, and and it, yes, yeah. you, you're just trying to go, okay, what's the right direction for me moving forward and finishing off my career the best yeah. possible way? And um, it's amazing how clubs can turn really quickly, but I'd imagine it's very difficult when you, you've got nothing but love for a club where you had great experiences and great friendships, which you probably got right now. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. You say you've never felt more alone out mm. in front of 90,000 people. Oh, mate. It was, it was one of the worst feelings to this day that I've ever had on a footy field in terms of uh, wanting to be wanting to be happy for my... Uh, old, some of my best mates, you know, they're playing off in something that they've worked hard for, but still being so angry because I was like, well, where was this a couple of years ago when, you know, we we're putting all the work in and we're all in our prime. Uh, but look, it's, yeah, water under the bridge now. I, I've learned from it and how I dealt with it at the time. Um, incredibly humbling, but uh, yeah, look, it's. Uh, and there's nowhere to hide with all that as well, you know. Like you, you're human. You get emotional. You you go on that roller coaster. You you think, oh, I should have, or what about this, or I could have, um, all that, all those what ifs. Yeah. But the thing is, back at that time, anyone in your position probably goes to the Giants because we all knew they've got the best list. Mm. If ever, if they can somehow gel together as a team. That's the one that's going to win, and they're going to win a flag in the next year or two. So, it it was the right decision, really, when you look back. With which club do I choose? The Giants are the right club to choose. Yeah, and that, that's how I felt about it. I, um, yeah, it's it's a really hard one because yeah, every, I get feedback constantly on uh, when the Tigers are going well, and there's people saying, "Well, you, why didn't you stay?" Even when I went and trained, I played a game this year. A young kid, we're running a warm up lap, and he's like, "What'd you leave the tigers for, mate?" I said, "Mate, we weren't winning." Like, I, I, he's like, "We won three three flags." I said, "That was after I left your banana." Like, I, that's oh, anyway. Constant feedback about it. The, the smart people understand. Uh, the people who really know their footy and know who I am um, know the decision and the thought that went behind it. But it's, mate, it's yeah. If you had hindsight, beautiful thing, isn't it? Like you'd. Um, I made the decision at the time and what I thought was right for me, right for my family and right for my footy. So um, it is what it is. Well, Nathan Buckley left the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, what did they did. do? They went one, three in a row, you know? You can say that, you know, about Hawthorne players moving on and so forth. That, that, that happens. Well, you but nearly left time, Hawthorne as well and they went on to I win know, a premiership. But, uh, and I was a bit like Brett there. Like, I was almost at the Swans. I'd almost gone, but they, a month later, they won the premiership. So I said, no, nah, okay. I, nah, uh, I'm, I can't go there now. They've won. So, you know, I just think, oh, you don't ever really back it up and, you yeah. know, it'll go somewhere else. So who's the other club that you need to 
So I, I get all that, you know. And like when you put your heart and soul into it your whole life and you don't see things moving forward and, and I was very much in the same position as you. It's, it's like, what do we do? Like, you know, I want to enjoy my footy. I want to finish and, and try and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm sure even though you're injured at um, the Giants a lot of the time, what a great experience to go and live in Sydney, mm. to try something different, to get a taste of the Sydney way of life, to, you know, you've got a whole new bunch of friends as well. So, you know, your, your football journey just continues on. Yeah, and that's exactly right. It's basically given me um, the perfect tools now to – being the job that I'm in in terms of player management is that I've experienced one the, the draft and everything we spoke about before uh, coming through being a player that you know gets themselves ready to play but then being traded going into state um, being injured all of those things so it's um, yeah met a hell of a lot of good people when I went to the Giants completely different clubs you're talking about one of the biggest clubs in the land in Richmond to go to the smallest club in the land in the Giants and it was uh Incredible in the way that, you know, the Tigers was, you know, if you wanted to let everyone in like the Giants do, you'd have the whole MCG in there into your change rooms and you wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> the Giants let everyone in. And I, my first couple of games when we were playing, I said to Cam, I was like, mate, what's this? There's so many people here. I can't. <laughs> it's, mate, that's what we do. We just allow it's a big family club. It's a basically a country club feel, which is fantastic. It, it took me right back. But you say about going to Sydney where no one cares, mate, that's what it was living in Balmain where you, you walk up the street and, all my attention is on my uh, my girls and um, the time I can spend there versus people bumping into you and saying, oh, can I get a quick get photo, a photo and can I have a chat? And um, Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just like it was really good exit for me out of footy. I was already anonymous pretty much up there and um, I wasn't still craving that when I retired and now, in, and today. And not one of those lowbrow suburbs is Belmain in Sydney. It sort of looks towards the Sydney Harbour Bridge and it's in the inner west, mate. Water. Yeah, in the it's, inner west. It's, it's not, oh, not the yeah, eastern yeah. bird. It's a very, very, not, very affluent suburb. But um, yeah, family based. No, it's, it's good to see they put you up somewhere reasonably well. Uh, that was my own decision. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> we we wanted to be close enough that we could still get out to the yes. beaches, but then not too far to the club. But uh, it's a very yeah nice suburb and some great people that we met up there. We're still friends with now. So, yeah, good chapter of your life, as you said. Final question on that prelim. It's one point the difference at half time. Did the crowd play a factor in any capacity? Did you feel it overall, the Giants at any stage or the Richmond players lifted because of it? Or once you're out there, do you tune out? Yeah. Uh, no doubt it plays a, it plays a role, uh, but I'll be honest with you, mate. I was somewhere else. Uh, my head is – I've never been in a game like that where I just wasn't in tune with what was happening on the footy field. And it was – I can only explain it, you know, um, in very simple layman's terms, mate, but I was um, – not with it, to be honest. My head was all thinking about so many different things. My Achilles, you know, I'm playing, you know, for a club that I've left. Uh, sorry, playing against a club that I've left. Uh, there on top. Um, yeah, mate, I, was, I wasn't with it. How hard was the next week when Richmond beat Adelaide? Uh, yeah, it was tough, mate, because it was I, I was heartbroken, to be honest. I felt like I'd put in so much effort to get to the point where they got to. And I felt like I deserved a little bit of reward when, because uh, you put in so much work when we were crap, just to you know, and we lost those finals. But then to get, um, I didn't watch the game, and that's everyone knows that. Um, I went to the the zoo uh, with my little girl, took her to Taronga Zoo, hadn't been there, so that was uh, good. But that was my wife's call. She said, "Look, I think for your own mental health, we should let's not watch it and let's not tune in because you." Um, I've seen what you've been through already this last week after losing to them and seeing them going to go into it. 
So we tuned out um, and I saw the score uh, after the game had finished or late in the last quarter. And basically, mate, just brought me to tears, swearing and carrying on. I was, I was just upset. I, and you said emotion takes over. It just took over. I was apologising to her. I said, I'm so sorry I brought you up here. I could have stayed. I could have done all this. And she basically just slapped me around and said, don't be silly. You're not. Yeah, but you need luck. You need your body to hold together. There's so many things that, that can go on. But it, it's great honesty, you know, because you probably get a lot of people in that situation would go, oh, no, you know, like it's just a part of my football journey. I moved on. But, you know, to, you know, to actually speak how you how you were feeling at the time, letting it all out, mm. and you know you do sort of question, you know, did I take the wrong track? Did I, you know, was I? Why did I make that decision? I'm, I'm sure that happens all the time, but it's I think it's great honesty that you can come out and say, do you know what? It, it broke my heart. It hurt me. It really did. But uh, as you said, now it's just held you in a great position to go. Do you know what? I'm now looking after all this young, this young talent coming through. I've been on every roller coaster ride that you can possibly go on. So, yeah. is there anyone better positioned in my next phase of life? I'd say no, because you've done it all. As you said, interstate, you've you've you know you've left and, and gone to another club. You started again. Your injuries. You're a number one draft pick. Like if if you're going to pick a management group, you're going to go to someone who's been there, been a part of it, been on every possible journey because they've got that life experience. So it's amazing how life works. You try and take the positives out of some of the negatives and then yeah. there's a lot of positives there. Well, exactly right. And you've got to be um, grateful for the experience that you do have. But I, I had a lot of life lessons as well throughout that. And, um, you know, we had some things go on in my wife's family. Um, you know, lost my sister-in-law and my little nephew to brain cancer during that time as well. So it was... You become very appreciative of the things you do have, Croft, and, and you realise how insignificant um, footy is and what life and family means to you versus, yeah, and, and that's what brought me back to earth ultimately uh, with a real thud. You know, when you're worried about your own, yourself and footy and what it can do for you, which is great. It's given me everything, and I'm very appreciative of that, but I'm also very appreciative of a healthy young family that, um, you know, I'm... Uh, my brother-in-law, mate, has lost half his to, to brain cancer. So, look, it's – yeah, mate, it, um, it, 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 it was tough. You learn a lot, but I'm, yeah, I wouldn't change it, mate. It's, it's made me the person I am now, and um, it's given me the experiences that I can now help young blokes with, which is great. We're going to talk about your management in just a second. You've got a lot of valuable life experience that you can help these young gentlemen through on and off the field. And the injuries is probably something that as spectators, we just don't factor in. We see the player on the field, we presume they're good to go, and you're judged accordingly on what you do. You don't take in anything that's happened in the lead-up to the week and how they're feeling and whatnot. But it did feel like it flipped with you with the luck with injury. You were the first Richmond, the youngest ever Richmond player to play 150 games, and then unfortunately the back half of your career yeah. was plagued with injury. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that works, isn't it? Like, uh, I think I played like 140 straight. Um and it was just, I, I probably pushed through a few little things, um, broken fingers and hands and whatever else, but I never had any problems soft tissue wise. And I just thought, well, if we're going to get better, I'm going to train and I'm going to play and we're, you know, try and, you know, be the best you can. But when that was when we were crap and then when we were good and when I was at a club that was good, I had all these injuries and I just couldn't string together. I I wouldn't say I'd love to reverse it because ultimately that's what set me up to the player I became, what I did. Um, but, yeah, I think ultimately, mate, it's uh, uh, it's disappointing that you can't um, go through injury-free, but I don't think anyone does. Um, 
And you used to run too fast. Uh, you were too explosive, <laughs> you know. And that's what happens. They say with some of the very best race horses, they're the good you ones never that break get down. to see the very best because they run too fast. Mm. That was certainly the case with you. The way you used to play. Yeah. Well, that was well, that was one of my strengths was my speed in my game. But I think ultimately it was where I'd I'd finish a season and I'd say right, we weren't any good, so I need to get better. For us to get better, I need to get better. So I'd basically finish and then I'd shoot up home after you know you have your your mad Monday and whatever else. I'd go back up home. My brother's still playing finals. I'd go and train with them. Then I'd do my running a running session after that. So I basically for three or four years straight, I just wouldn't have any time off. I'd just keep training because I was like I'm not a gifted runner. I wasn't like Crawford who could just churn out um, you know sub six minute two k's. I was uh, I was a real battler and uh, speed no worries I um, do repeat speed stuff and whatever but long distance so I, I'd have to work at it you know and I thought well if I can get a bit fitter I'd uh, that'd help but I think ultimately that's what's caught up with me at the end of my career where I was um, yeah wasn't able to, I'd worn out my legs essentially and that's why I just uh, that's my simple terms anyway and I'm watching Dan Hanbury probably go through the same thing at the moment he just cannot get on the park and constantly once you've had a couple of calf injuries they just keep turning up and he's going through that at the moment and you did end up playing 32 games for the Giants the final season 2019 and I think the hope was that you'd come back towards the finals and hopefully have another crack at the premiership unfortunately your body let you down and then again in a twist from a movie, GWS going to make the grand final <laughs> where they're up against Richmond. Yeah. Walk us through that. Amazing, isn't it? I uh, actually strung together my biggest bunch of games uh, that year and played nine games straight, but then played basically uh, in an igloo down in Canberra. And I'm not sure whether that helped me or the fact that I was chasing Isaac Smith up and down the wing. Um, is, that, is that the night it snowed? Yes, that was the night it snowed. When Clarkson was wearing shorts. Uh, yeah. He's wearing shorts just well, to go. Yeah. Mental, the, the mental test to the players was like... I'm not going to react to this. I'm going to show that doesn't worry me because he was thinking there'd be lots yeah. of excuses about the weather oh, and exactly. the snow falling on the field. Well, I've since found out, actually, <laughs> after spending time at the Hawks, that um, it was actually like 32 degrees in their, in their box. So he was really hot. So he's coming down, <laughs> sweating, and then rolls out. And he's just like, wow, dude, I'm actually acclimatised. <laughs> and he's fine. Um, but no, look, uh, yeah, that was that day. Hurt my calf. Late in the season, so I'm starting to get pretty nervous. But I was, um, I was going to leave no stone unturned, thinking, right, well, I'm, I'm giving this every crack to try and play finals. Uh, got myself right to go uh, for that first final, and but yeah, uh, 10, 15 minutes in, feel my calf go again, and knew that that was it, pretty much. I didn't. One, I didn't think it's, uh, think that we were going to beat the Bulldogs in that game um, because they were coming home with a wet sail. So I was like, I'm getting up. I'm just going to have one last home game perfect against um, the Bulldogs, you know, and I'll be, you know, go out in a final. We might not win, but at least I'm, you know, I've played one last one at home and my family can all come and, and see that. And my girls get to run out with me, which is great. Uh, we yeah, beat the dogs, but I've done my calf. Breaks it. <laughs> yeah, it's just... You know, pictures of me crying on the way off, which is fine because I thought my season's done, my career's done, and yeah, the boys just went on a roll, and I'm I'm still training in the background. I'm just thinking, right, I'm I'm giving this every chance because who knows, you know. And so I um, kept training, uh, but I was never, I don't think Leon ever really realistic gave me a chance. And trained the last session, I was still the quickest or second quickest bloke out there. Tra- I was trying to beat Aiden Bonner, who was, who's electric, and that Callum Brown, who made his debut a couple of weeks ago, an Irish boy. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, yeah, 
not to be, mate. I um, didn't get my chance, and we played the Tigers. Would you believe in that one? So it was a it was a weird old week. How were you feeling grand final day? Because either way, unfortunately, you would have felt like you missed out either way. If the yeah. Giants won the grand final, you feel like injuries prevented you from getting that premiership medallion. And again, if Richmond win, it's a bit more sold in the wound. So how did you feel on grand final day? And who were you wanting to win? Uh, well, because I was involved with the Giants, I think that was where I, wa- I wanted those boys to win. And the Tigers had already won a couple. So I was sort of like, let's not... Uh, oh, sorry, they'd already won one. So I was let's not be too greedy. But... Um, yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting feeling, mate. I you know put on a positive spin, no doubt, but I was uneasy about it all. Like I, I wanted like no other to be out there. I wanted to experience grand final week, grand final day. Um, you know, I got to do the lap of honour with uh, one of my good mates, Grigger, and, and our kids, which was fantastic. And and to say goodbye ultimately to the Richmond crowd that day was really nice, um, and, and the Giants crowd that were there as well. But it was – I actually thought we were half a chance early in the first quarter. I thought, you know, we've started okay here and the Tigers haven't got their game up and going. But, uh, geez, after that, and I think Josh Kelly had hurt his hammy. Witters has come out of hospital, basically, um, to, to play. Dave Phil Davis has done his calf. Um, ultimately, probably shouldn't have played. In the he was probably a bit similar to me, having the calf injury very early in the game. But, yeah, mate, the Tigers they went on a roll and it just got harder and harder as the game went on. I'd left – with the seat I was sitting in, you know, halfway through the third probably and then sat behind the goals for a little bit talking just talking to ex Richmond people and saying hello to people I hadn't seen for a fair while and then down the race with all the boys as it finally went out and, and I actually just went out on the ground after the game just to um console a lot of the teammates that I'd had for the last three years. Um, congratulate the odd few that I saw from the Tigers and just take in the last little bit of a Pretty full house of an MCG, pretty much. I think the Giants, it's safe to say, they won their grand final the week before in that upset victory against Collingwood. They put absolutely everything into that physically and mentally, and it's impossible almost. I know the Dogs did it, but to win four finals in four weeks and to win three in three weeks is absolutely huge. I think that's a big thing as well. Especially when you've got a few wounded too, you know, like it's it's, you can't take too many in. It's cruel. It's a cruel game. You've got to be very lucky, I think. Everyone... um, on song at the end of the year, I think that's ultimately the key. But um, it's so hard to do timing wise. Yes. Like if you do preseason, you think about preseason starts start of November. You know, off you go, and then you start playing serious games end of March. You know, season starts, and then the grand finals at the end of September. How do you how do you peak? How do you actually get your peak performance happening when you got injuries coming into play all the time? And you know, I suppose over the last few COVID's come in. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you find a way to to have that peak performance. And the thing for Richmond over the last few years is they've had injuries. So they've been forced to play. Young kids, they've been forced to rest some of the older players. And and I have no doubt that comes into play at some stage. Well, from 1982 to 2017, Richmond won two finals games. And you were at that club for such a long time. You were such an outstanding player. You gave your heart and soul to the place. How are you now with Richmond? Do you like going back? Do you want to be involved with the club more going forward? Because you've got such a very special place in a lot of Richmond supporters' heart. Yeah, well, I think ultimately, mate, I'm a Richmond man. Uh, and that's where I grew up as a player, as a person. And they gave me uh, so much of what I've got now. Uh, and I've met some fantastic people who are now even my, my best mates. Um, so, yeah, mate, absolutely. If the phone rang and they, I was asked to come back and, and be involved in some sense, come to luncheons, whatever, mate, I'm more than happy to go along. I'm, 
it took me a little while to really come to terms with, um, you know, Richmond still being quite strong and, and good. Uh, but I think as your mates that you played with start to leave and they become a whole new team, which there's no, ultimately there's not that many blokes there that, um, that I still played with. So, yeah, it becomes less and less and it's become more about the team that you, you'd spent so much time at and you know the ins and outs of the club. But, um, yeah, mate, I think I'm a Richmond man, that's for sure. What about seeing like Dion Prestia wear the number three? Does that sort of throw you from time to time still? <laughs> I, yeah, I hope there's a lot of kids wearing and I still claim them that they're mine. <laughs> I know that if it's an AFG on the back, that that's that was me. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of Puma jumpers out there now, so I know that wasn't me. Um, no, look, he's... He's turned out to be a damn good player, hasn't he? Uh, BNF in the premiership year and, um, you know, a real um, integral part to that midfield. So um, I was I must admit I was flat. I thought they might retire it for a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> joke. That was a joke. Um, well, they, they retired. They they Well, they didn't retire mine, but they weren't sure who to give it. They asked Surioli. He said, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so he which said, is better? <laughs> he said, no, I don't want number nine. I said, Cyril, what are you doing to me? So who took it? Silk. Burgoyne. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I keep telling the kids, yeah, it's still, yeah. everyone's wearing my number. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's still going. He's Can still you going. It? He's 55 <laughs> and he's still playing. He's a freak. Well, I played in his first game that he played for the Hawks. It was against us. Yeah. Um, had the helmet on. And I reckon that was a t- nearly a turning point for Clarko, wasn't it? Because that was the day that Sam Mitchell actually ran down Tucky, who was running into an open goal. And if we won that, then I think there was murmurings already from, Cla- uh, from uh-huh. Jeff Kennett that uh, – because I was talking to Sam Mitchell about it, and he said, yeah, mate, this was a real turning point in us. It was lucky that he got old. And that's probably the only time Sam Mitchell's ever run someone down. Well, how unlucky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Tucky, he had the sights set on goal from 60. (laughs) Now, post-footy, you're involved with the management. Tell us about that, and what sparked your interest there? Well, I started at the Hawks uh, as a development coach, knowing that I I just love playing with, playing with, working with young, young guys and, you know, drawing on a lot of those experiences that we've spoken about already in terms of, um, you know, how to get the best out of yourself, how to, you know, what foods to eat and how to train and dealing with injuries and all those sorts of things. Um, that that When that fell through, you know, obviously because of COVID and the cuts that happened there, my, my next best thing that I, I thought and talking to my manager regularly was uh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to get in and still work with young guys and help guide them through, but not in the same capacity that you are as a coach. Um you know, and if we can get some young guys on board and really just help guide them through and set them up, because um, I think, you know, f- for young guys, their most important years are these you know, next two, you know, as a 17 and then as an 18 year old, because that's when they're going to get drafted and they get their opportunity. So they've got to put everything, excuse me, in, uh, in favour for them to, uh, you know, to try and get drafted. So if I can help in any sense, you know, through, you know, what you know how I prepared you know I've been on that journey of school and uh, playing representative footy but then being drafted early if I can help in any sense and you know um, give them some guidance on that then it seemed like a perfect fit and so far mate we've um, it has been and, and we're getting really good benefits out of it with our young boys that we're working with and mate we want to continue to do that so it's um yeah I, I'm loving it mate to be honest like just being hands-on with young guys and being a point of call, you know, um, just for them to talk through their game and how, uh, you know, what did I go through, the emotions. And we spoke about all those emotions that I've been, and I say that to young boys, if there's something that you're feeling, I reckon I've felt it at some stage throughout my career and how I've dealt with that. And um, we just see that as a great opportunity. And we're, we're trying to do that at the moment. The new Jerry Maguire. 
<laughs> well, it's very rare that you get a Jerry Maguire that actually can coach them how to play footy properly yeah. as well, you know. So it's, it's a hamburger with a lot, mm. but don't have the hamburger, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from the hamburger. But mm. it is, it's very rare in that space. And I'm sure it's very comforting, you know, especially from a parent point of view. I know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, well, why wouldn't you go to someone who's been there, been in the mix, experienced the whole lot? Yeah, go there because got all the answers or at least can set them on the right path. Brett, it's been an absolute privilege talking to you today. Absolutely loved it. Best of luck with everything post-footy. Oh, thanks, Quinny. Thanks, Croft. Absolute pleasure. And right. punish. you've been listening to Inside 50. There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858.